Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and I am joined by a new guest, an old friend, my buddy, Mike Rosen. Mike, what's up, man? How are you, Patrick? Long time, first time. (laughs) I'm good. So Mike is an old high school buddy of mine, and uh, he pinged me on Facebook and he told me he listened to the show and I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And I was super uh, flattered, honored, and good to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's a great show. And ever since I started listening, uh, I think around the lottery episode, I haven't missed one since. So it's been great. Awesome. Yeah, no. Um, So I ask every guest and I will ask you as well about your Warriors fandom. So tell me what it was like growing up as a Warriors fan and how it's been over the last uh, 20 so odd years. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We're showing our age. So, uh, yeah. So, so like you, Patrick, uh, I grew up in the Bay area, grew up in Berkeley and, uh, in, in the eighties was when I sort of came of age sports wise. And when it comes to the warriors, my first memory was the sleepy Floyd 50 point game, 50 piece he dropped on the Lakers. Of course we lost that series, but, uh, and from then, from that point forward, I think I hated the Lakers with a passion still do. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then we, we moved into sort of a golden period in the late eighties with run TMC. Um, and, and then even into the early nineties, Billy Owens and the, the C web era, and then I uh, graduated high school in the mid nineties, right? I think right around when uh, we traded Weber to the bullets. Now the wizards for, uh, for Tom Gugliotta, one of the moves that shall live in infamy. Um, and, uh, you know, over that time I still kept up with the warriors, not that there was much to, to be, uh, enthusiastic about, but, um, right around, uh, 2014, I'm, my family and I moved from, from San Diego, uh, out to Israel where we live now. And that happened to coincide with sort of the big run uh, that the team went on and, and uh, three championships in five years, et cetera. And it's a little bit harder, uh, as you might imagine, to follow the team out here just because of the time difference. We're 10 hours ahead of the, uh, of the West Coast. So the, uh, the West Coast games, the home games start at 5 a.m. here and finish around 7.30 a.m. And, and a game like today, tonight's game with the Wolves starts uh, here at 3 a.m. and uh, just finished now at 5.30 in the morning. So a little bit tougher, <laughs> but uh, it's for, for the true diehards. And, and uh, it's been great keeping up with the team. It, it, uh, it feel, makes me feel connected. Wow, man. No, I super appreciate you getting up early and being on the show. And I know we've been trying to connect and get this going. So I'm excited to to hear some of your takes. I haven't heard any of your basketball takes in like 20 years plus. So it's, it's um, been a minute. I mean, let's just get into it, man. So the Warriors got beat down by the Wolves 119.99. What were your impressions, takeaways? Well, you know, it would have been nice to get this one just to even out the the road trip and, and make it two and two. That would have been good just to come away with the W no matter no matter how we did it. Um, going into the game, of course, you know, we were just down um, manpower in a huge way. No Steph, no Draymond, no GP2. 
but uh, but the, the Warriors actually, I thought, fought really well through about two and a half quarters. Um, toward the end of the third, things started uh, getting a little bit hairy, and then the fourth was just sort of blowout time. But they showed some real heart in the third quarter, so that was encouraging. Still, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's it's a loss that I think we were expecting. Um, you don't want to end the trip like that, but it'll be good to be getting home and hopefully get stuff back and get back on track. I mean, now that the Warriors are a little bit wounded and they're down some dudes, you could tell that the Wolves wanted this one. They wanted to jump on them, especially after the SmackDown that they got in San Francisco where Wiggins went off. I, I respect the fact that the Warriors fought back, and I think like the the news that Draymond is going to be out for at least another two weeks. And it's just a reevaluation in two weeks is kind of a sobering thought. I've talked about this before and, you know, we've seen what the Warriors are like without Steph. We've seen what the Warriors are like without Clay. Now for legitimately an extended period, we're going to see what they're like without Draymond. And I've felt that in a way that, I mean, all those guys are irreplaceable, but him in particular, he's somebody that does so much stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, stuff that happens behind the scenes in the locker room during practices on the bench. What do you think the Warriors can, should do to try to mitigate that at least while he's out uh, for, for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Draymond is the, not only is he the defensive glue, he's the offensive glue in so many ways. And, you know, he he was on track for a DPOY campaign. I think he probably would have to say up until he got injured, at least was leading in that, in that area. Um, and it's, it's just tough. Um, certainly on the defensive side, you see it today, giving up 119 points to the Wolves. But offensively as well, you know, he's just, he's the, the fulcrum, everything runs through him. And uh, to, to see us just kind of continue to, to to struggle to really get get open shots and make open shots um, without him there is going to be tough. You know, I, I was listening as as I also do to the uh, the Athletic podcast, and um, mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Marcus Thompson was saying, you know, in some ways, if if Draymond's absence isn't too long, it could actually be good for the team because you know Draymond's no spring chicken. He's thirty one, thirty two. Um, he needs some rest, and to get him fresh for for a playoff run is really important, and that's definitely true. Um, but we don't want to sacrifice playoff seeding as well during the regular season we want to get in a good rhythm so you know i think a couple games would would have been something that we could have dealt with but i think two weeks now and and possibly more maybe even probably more it's it's going to be tough and it's already been a week right this whole road trip has been without draymond and they ended up one and three and i totally get the rest thing right like i'm like hey steph's hand as long as it's not serious this counts as rest to me but my concern is the fact that it went from a calf to a back issue. We all know that anything having to do with the back is an issue, especially a guy like Draymond, who is six six but plays so many bigger dudes and bangs and pounds so much beneath the basket that that's got to be a concern. And, you know, a lot of the things that I've said throughout the season are, I mean, these are all very pragmatic, practical things. The goals are having as good of a record as you can heading to the playoffs, and then also getting some of these newer guys like Otto Porter Jr. and some of the younger guys like Kaminga and Jordan Poole acclimated to these high pressure games and these high leverage situations and big crowds and 
spotlights and all that stuff, but then also being as healthy as possible, especially for your key dudes. And this is the first thing this season where it's like, okay, this puts health in jeopardy to some extent. And I think obviously we'll know more in maybe the coming days. I don't know. They might play it really, really close to the vest, but I'll favor health over fighting for that one seed personally. Absolutely. And you know, that, that the key for the team, I think at this stage is to, to, to work on their health, to work on developing the young players, to reintegrate clay into the team um, and to get everyone together. Now, of course, part of the challenge of reintegrating is, you know, you kind of need to have Draymond in there to, to make that happen. But, you know, I think Steph, Steph said it well, um, a couple after, I think it was the, the Milwaukee game or maybe the game before that. Um, but he said, this is a, a quote I, I, I got from one of his post-game interviews. He said, we always talked about breaking the season into three parts. And this is the period where we have to make those adjustments, get better, stay patient, get everybody comfortable with our new chemistry. The first part was the p- first third of the season without clay. Now we're in this, this phase that, that he's talking about. And then he said, then the playoff push close to the all-star break. Right. So there's sort of this period that's a little bit more free flowing now. And and again, you hate to see Draymond out of it, but the team's just got to kind of rally and, and do what it can together. And, you know, I, it was encouraging to see Clay hit some hit some big threes tonight. He had one that got wiped away inexplicably because his foot was on the line that they took points off the board, um, which just kind of stank. But it, it's great to see him coming in. Um, and it's great to see the energy of the young guys, you know, seeing pool every every game. He, he's been up and down, but but especially tonight, stepping up and, and stepping in for Steph and then Kaminga, you know, we could do it. We could do a whole pod. I know you've done several pods on, on <laughs> Kaminga and his emergence. He's uh, he's just been a revelation. It's been amazing to watch him. I think with this team, I mean, the thing that I as a fan like to lean on is like the confidence that you have in guys like Kerr and Steph and Clay and Draymond and just Andre having been there. I feel like you know, there's half the season left and they'll get to a point where they know what they need the other guys to do. They know how far they need to get them. And hopefully by the time Draymond comes back, whenever that is, no one else falls out. I'd love to see him and Clay actually play a game together. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, to see them get back on the court together. I mean, it, it was, I thought it was very touching how Draymond, even though he knew he wasn't going to play in that first game back, he he just got on the court for the opening tip and then, and then took himself out of the game when Clay first joined. But, you know, obviously that's not really engaging and playing together. So to see them kind of kind of fit and work it out, that that's going to be really exciting. Yeah. I was hoping that we would see another big game from Andrew Wiggins. We saw an okay game. Kaminga, Steve Kerr said he's going to get a lot more minutes, especially with Draymond out, which I think is great. What did you see from him tonight? And what are your impressions of him overall who does he remind you of in the past in the present well let me, let me start with Wiggins since you raised him first so you know he obviously he had that monster game against the Wolves the first time uh that, that we played him this season and uh, you know his numbers were he's he's been a career 20 point a game shooter basically uh but against the Wolves since he's been on the Warriors he's been up to 26 points per game tonight not so much uh, I think he finished with 12 
Um, and the first, the first uh, half, he was over everything from the field and, and I think two for four from the line. So in the first half, he lacked a lot of aggressiveness. He went on a nice run in the third quarter, which was great to see. I think he scored eight points in a row for the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked like he was kind of getting his mojo back. And then I think he missed a three-pointer and things just kind of went not, not exactly downhill, but just sort of just kind of petered out after that. And that, that was a little disappointing, um, you know, because you, you like to think he gets up for these big games, um, but not so much. And this was a game really we could have used him to step up. So hopefully he'll he'll uh, keep that aggressiveness going and, and find his way. But speaking of aggressiveness, man, Kaminga, he is just he can seems like he can score from anywhere on the court. And you just see him coming down the court, coast to coast, with a full head of steam. Reminds me, you know, I don't know, bits of bits of Giannis, bits of KD, um, a little bit of, you know, maybe maybe even Brandon Ingram, um, but but with so much more strength and power coming at you, and uh, and and just the confidence. It, it seems like every game he's growing in that and and learning how to channel it too, right? I mean, I, I think the the knock on him. And and actually, the first time I think I ever heard his name, by the way, was, was when you and maybe it was Aram <laughs> or, or Vubang or one of you guys did did yeah. the uh, did the pre lottery uh, or pre draft uh, pod about him. Is that he's very raw. He's an incredible athlete, um, but but he's he's unpolished and, and needs to kind of come into form. And and that's definitely true. But it does seem like every game and every every single rep that he gets when he gets out there. He's just getting better and better and, and smoother and smoother. And it's still going to take a while, but um, but it's the trajectory is clear. One thing I always like to clarify in terms of the rawness that people talk about, right? It's like when some people say raw, some people, at least me, I think of like a Donald Foyle right? <laughs> to go way back, right? Like that dude was raw, but that dude was like an old rookie who didn't know how to play basketball at all and just wasn't very coordinated and skilled. Bless his heart. seems like a nice dude from what I can remember. But Kaminga, I mean, he's not that raw, right? Like he's raw in the sense that he needs to be refined, but he always had skill and he always had, he has a lot of confidence, which I really, really appreciate seeing, especially on this team. And he has that, so far he has that, those intangibles, that it factor that can really, I mean, we've all seen it now and people are hyping him up now, like after that 25 point game in Chicago, but he can get his shot off pretty much whenever he wants. Like it it may not be the jumper every time, but he can get a reasonable shot off somehow, some way. I want to ask you, you mentioned KD, what reminds you of Kevin Durant in his game? So I I think it's a, it's, it's that bucket getting attitude more than anything, mm. right? There's there certainly something aesthetically a little bit about the way he glides toward the basket and and his exceptional body control, um, the way that that he's able to to adjust his angles and 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 um, especially his touch near the rim. But more than that, I just think it's you know that that was the great luxury of having KD, one of the the greatest scorers to ever play the game, and and we were blessed to have him for three years on the team. Um, was that when things bogged down, you could just toss him the ball and say, go get a bucket. And, and more often than not, he would. Um, and, you know, Kaminga's not there yet by any means, but, but he has that vibe to him. Um, and, and I think it's starting to, to show its way in, in, in the numbers as well. I love watching Kaminga on defense because I enjoy seeing all the different guys that he guards and how he guards them. I saw him guarding Vanderbilt, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, 
and Jaden McDaniels in terms of staying in front of people. You watch for those moments where Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell try to drive on him and he forces them to pass the ball. You know, maybe he gets a little bit of help, but he stays with them enough, gets in front of them enough. He doesn't get blown by. And those things are huge to me because then you flip it around and he bangs with like the big men underneath. That's a rarity, a rarity that obviously (laughs) we've only really seen on the Warriors with Draymond Green. And I'm not comparing him like directly, but there are elements in his defensive ability that that flexibility, that versatility. We've seen guard DeMar DeRozan. We've seen him guard like point guards. And I mean, as as much uh, as his offense, his defense is what gets me kind of fired up, especially as a 19-year-old rookie. How many 19-year-old rookies have you seen that can legitimately do that on the regular? I think you said it exactly right. It's that versatility and that flexibility. He can honestly guard one through five on many team, and he has. I mean, tonight he was banging down there with Cat on some of those plays. Um, and, you know, and, and we saw uh, he was guarding D'Lo as well. And, and we saw, you know, I think one of his big breakout games when he hit the main stage was that Christmas Day game in Phoenix when he guarded CP3 and yeah. uh, and he did a great job, right? I mean, I, he kind of got postered and put on skates at the end of the first half with that shot that uh, that Chris Paul made. But, you know, the second half, he, he didn't get daunted by that. He came back and guarded him um, incredibly tough and incredibly tight. And and I think it, I think that's right. The way that he can switch his hips, um, shift from from shift his orientation depending where the, the player's going. Um, he he he's a marvel at being able to get to guard those guys who are little and and who are big. So it's it's just exciting. I think there's just great great positive growth coming for him. Looking ahead at the schedule, let's just look you know for the next two weeks since that's when uh, Draymond is supposed to get reevaluated. So let me just run down this. So like they get Detroit at home, Pacers at home, Rockets at home, Jazz at home, <laughs> Dallas at home, these same Timberwolves at home, and then Brooklyn. And obviously Kevin Durant is not going to play because he has a, a a knee sprain. And then they get Houston. They play in Houston on the 31st. That's not bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's actually a, a pretty favorable schedule for the most part, yeah. right? Like if you look at Brooklyn as wounded, you look at uh, Minnesota, Houston, Indiana, Detroit, those are all gettable games. I, I don't know. Have, have they said when Steph is coming back, is he going to come back uh, the next game or is he sitting out for a while? They haven't. Um, and, you know, they haven't said one way or the other. Um, I, I'm hoping that it'll be in time for Detroit, but, but truth is probably we could afford to rest him. For Detroit, Indiana, maybe even Houston. Um, but if we don't have a back by the time the Jazz roll in, I think it'll be it'll be tough. Even though you know, I I sort of feel like the last time we played the Jazz, we just kind of figured them out. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I think but that's one thing that that the Warriors and, and I got to give credit to to Steve Kerr for a lot of that is when you play series against these teams, you know, we may drop one or two in in a seven game series, but at some point. We sort of figure it out. Um, but, you know, looking at this home, this seven-game homestand coming up, I would expect and hope that we could win at least five of those games um, out of the seven. Dallas and, and Utah maybe would give us some trouble, and, and who knows if it, it doesn't sound like KD is going to be back in time for the Brooklyn game. Um, by the way, do you know, one thing I was curious about, if you know, Patrick, would would Kyrie be able to play in Chase Center? I would assume not, right? From what I recall during the whole 
Andrew Wiggins issue in uh, in the preseason, visiting players would be allowed to play, which doesn't make a lick oh. of sense to me. But I I could be wrong. I haven't I haven't looked okay. it up since the beginning of the season. <laughs> that's that's so strange. Yeah, no, you know, you you may be right because I had heard in reading about his uh, situation in Brooklyn that visiting players who play against the against the Nets who are not vaccinated can play, which again scientifically makes zero sense. And um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you if you follow Ethan Strauss, um, but he uh, in his Substack he was writing about how it's just ridiculous and and it's time to to let these guys play it, you know it's with with the way this omicron is going it just doesn't make sense but anyway if he's not playing on the 29th um you know we'll be happy but uh, yeah. but it would stick for him the NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The only other thought that that I wanted to share w- was I really thought that Kevon Looney just continued to to demonstrate his resurgence this season and his importance to the team. He did a, he did I thought a really good job down low guarding Cat. Um, he didn't he, he got got on, on some plays and and uh, and he fouled a bunch, but he looks strong and confident. And he comes in especially at a time like this with with so many key players out. He he has this sort of stabilizing influence on the team and it's great to see you know I, I think he had double digit rebounds tonight and and he had a couple nice touch plays in the basket so he's doing a good job at least keeping the seat warm for uh for our, our seven foot big man when he finally gets his <laughs> way back onto the team um but we need every we need every rebound every point we can get from looney at this point yeah i wonder who's gonna be back first wiseman or draymond I hope it's Draymond because, you know, I'm not projecting Wiseman to come back until after the All-Star game at this point with all the latest news about his second uh, cleanup surgery in December. But yeah, Looney is a guy that I love. I mean, sometimes it's frustrating, right? Because like the pump fake, the pump fake, you know, getting swatted. But I give that guy props because he keeps trying. You know, he he does well against these bigger, stronger, less athletic dudes, right? I mean, anyone's going to get burned by Giannis, but he in particular just got worked. But um, against yeah. against Carl Anthony Towns, I feel like you know he knows how to play a dude like that because he is tough because he can body Towns, and you know that's a that's a credit to to Looney for for being an undersized center and taking on every single challenge you know absolutely the last thing i'll say about this game is i keep saying this since beginning the season kaminga is going to live at the free throw line he's going to be one of those dudes six for ten his shot is not broken he's just off a little bit he doesn't miss left or left or right he misses short or long so i feel like by next season hopefully by the end of this season he'll get that up a little bit that percentage up a little bit 
higher. Yeah, even even seven or eight out of ten, you know, we'll we'll take six is not going to cut it. But uh, but if he could get to seven or or eight, I mean, if he gets to eight, then then he'll be golden. Eighty yeah. percent free throw shooting would be great. I wanted to ask you one last thing before I let you go. You had told me that you were at the 2019 game six finals where clay tore his acl i still hate danny green <laughs> so do i but, so do i join the club <laughs> but uh, i i actually haven't talked to anyone who was actually there i have talked to tons of people like i'm on a group text with a bunch of guys and you know we were texting throughout that whole thing and we were privy to all the reports and i'm sure you know, you guys were too. Twitter was around and all that stuff. You guys were probably keeping tabs as much as we were. But just tell me really quickly, like what that was like, what that experience was like, because I can't imagine anything as intense. It was probably the most intense and emotional sporting experience, spectating experience I've ever had in my life and probably ever will. So it, just again, to, to kind of keep in mind, we, we live in Israel and my son Ozzy had just uh, was about to have his bar mitzvah, so for his bar mitzvah present, we went out to visit my family in California, and we got tickets for Game Six. And he's a tremendous, huge Dubs fan, um, down to you know to to the sneakers of all the different players. Um, no, not the Antas, not the not the Clay Antas, but uh, <laughs> but he went with uh, with you know every every uh, every Steph shoe, every KD shoe, and. Um, and it meant a lot to him and it meant a lot to me to take him to Oracle for the very, very last game. And it, it was an amazing game. Um, it was obviously extremely disappointing at the end. And it's very painful to watch your team fail at the end and to see another another team celebrate on your home court. But but the moment that I will never forget was after Clay uh, went into the locker room when he first got injured and had been fouled and he came walking out of that tunnel to shoot his free throws. The last two shots that he would take, the last two moments he'd be on on the court for two and a half years until just uh, just last week. And the emotion in the crowd, the energy, the excitement of him coming out there hobbling along on that leg and burying those two free throws, which we needed. We needed every one of those points and still came up short. It was unlike anything I'd, I'd ever seen. And and uh, it, it was just incredible to be a part of that. When did you find out that it was an ACL? Were there murmurs going around? Were people like saying stuff, uh, you know, going on Twitter, going on social, like hearing this, that, the other? Was there, you know, a lot of awareness? There was there was murmurings going around. Um, you know what it's like sometimes in these arenas where there's just not great cell service. So everyone's trying to refresh Twitter and whatever, and it's just not working. Um, you knew it was bad, though. You just you just knew it was bad um, when 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 he had to leave the game. Um, you knew something was was not great. But I think it was only when I got out of the stadium did did I know for sure that he had torn the ACL and would be out for who knows how long. But you know you just got the sense that even even if we had fought back and won the game and taken it to game seven in Toronto, um, it would have been a, a real uphill fight to win that game with just Steph, right? No KD, no clay. Um, but you know what? It was, uh, it, it, there was something special about being in that crowd where not, you know, again, not, no one really knew exactly what was going on. We just knew that we had to, to cheer our hardest for the team and give them one last push. And we did our best. Yeah, yeah, I did a whole episode with with Aram uh 
last year because he lives in Toronto and he had to deal with all the Raptors fans and everything. And um, if you haven't listened to it, that that was before we did the lottery one, so you should listen to it. It's it's a uh, because I could just go off and uh, and and talk more about that uh, that game and that series nonstop. But I will. Uh, I understand that it's like six a.m. over there <laughs> where you. Oh well, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go listen to that one. That that sounds great. Uh, but man, thank you for coming on. It's it's awesome uh, talking to you and then getting your takes. I, I think it's safe to say your takes are uh, are still solid, man, after all these years. <laughs> I, I hope so. I've uh, lo- lost a couple miles on my fastball, to, just to mix metaphors. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's it's great. And, and thanks for having me on. Keep, keep up the great work with the podcast. We'd love to, to join you again and, uh, and go Dubs. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts and say some nice stuff about us in a review. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs.